we're going to be talking about this morning. The love of Jesus and the love that Jesus wants us to have. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us. We're here to tell you this morning that we love you. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit, the anointing to be here this morning, to reveal the truths in your words to our hearts, so that we'll be changed, that we'll learn from the word how we're to act and how we're to react in every situation. We'll be led by the Spirit according to the principles set forth in the gospel. Father, we thank you that you long to see us love each other. And Father, we ask today that these truths will bring us closer to that perfect love that you desire in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, there are many kinds of love. In the Greek language, there are several. There's one called storge, one called eros, where we get our word erotic. There's one called Philadelphia, which is brotherly love. There's one called phileo, which is the natural kind of friendship type love. But the type of love I want to talk about today is agape, agape love. And that's the kind of love that Christ has for us. He has for his children and Christ has for his body. If you take notes and you want to know how to spell agape, that's it right there. Like someone stood a gate. brings into a lot of confusion to know what love really is. We hear so many different things. I love chocolate cake. Well, I just love these hoedown meetings where we get to clap and stomp. Or I, you know, I love this TV show. Or I love it. We throw the word love around so much. And even in the body of Christ, we throw it around. We go to people and say, I love you. And we tell the man on the street, I love you. But do we really know what we're saying when we say love? You go to people and you say, tell me what love is. And you say, oh, oh, that's hard, you know. You ever ask somebody, have you seen like on TV, sometimes they try to interview people and they'll say, what is love? And all these people start rubbing their foreheads and say, well, you know, you really, they say, well, you really can't define love. You just kind of have to describe it. And then we see these little cartoon things where they have these two little people, a little guy and a little girl, and they have this little caption underneath and they say, Love is, you know, say some cute little phrase, like holding hands together in the rain and, you know, sharing a chocolate soda. Love is this and love is that. And we try to describe love. The world does, and we as Christians try to describe love so many times. But we never can really put our finger down and say, that's what love is. You can't define it. We often say, oh, you have to describe it. You can't define love. Well, this morning, I want to show you from the Word that the Word defines what love means. There is a definition. And that definition is all-encompassing. You'd have to do a big study to find out all the attributes of love, all the descriptions of love, but to find that definition of what love is, then to turn to 2 John. Let's turn there. 2 John. Now, John would know what love is. He would know because... Remember, the, the Word says that he was the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, if God is love, and the Word says that God is love, and Jesus is God, John got it right from the source. John got love right from the source. He got it from Jesus, who is God, who is love. So John would probably be the best man to tell you what love is about, and he speaks more about love than anybody else in the New Testament. Rightfully so. Second John, verse 5, beginning with verse 5. John says, And now I beseech thee, lady, speaking to a lady here, but this is for all of our edification. Not as though I write a new commandment unto thee, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Now let me ask you, who gave that command to love one another? Jesus. Jesus said, love one another. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ will have forgiven you. Paul said that. Jesus said, you see how I've loved you? Love each other the same way. So that's what he's just reiterating the command that Jesus gave. Now, Underline this, mark it in with a highlighter pen or whatever, because this is your definition of what love is. 
This is the definition, not a description. This is a definition. And this is love. Webster's Dictionary could write this in as the biblical definition of love. This is love. That we walk after his commandments. So tell me, what is love? What is love? Obeying Christ's commands. Obeying Christ's commands. And this is the commandment that as you have heard it from the beginning, from Jesus, ye should walk in it. So, what is love? Let's say it together. Obeying Christ's commands. Let's say it again. What is love? Obeying Christ's commands. Now we've got to get this down. Because when people come to you and say, well, I love this person, or I love God, you have to remember your definition when you're counseling with them or, or even sharing with them. Now, this isn't a common definition. You're not going to hear this very often. We'd rather describe love. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. Love's not boastful. And that is good. 1 Corinthians 13 is good as a descriptive chapter. And we'll be getting into that later. But as we're defining it, let's stick with John. Now, this verse is not out of context. I didn't just pick one verse out of the Bible and say, this is it. Because I want to show that to you. Go back to John, the 14th chapter. John chapter 14. Again, John's the man who would know. Love is obeying Christ's command. Beginning with verse 21 of chapter 14. He that hath my commandments, and what? Keepeth them. Whoever owns a Bible, by the way, has the commandments of Jesus. You know that. If you hold a Bible in your hand, you can say, I have the commandments of Jesus, but that's not enough. It says, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. And Judas saith unto him, now this is not Judas Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Now if Judas had been listening carefully there, he would have caught it already. But he had his words, but they weren't keeping him. Jesus says, if a man love me, if you want love, if you want to know what love is, keep my word. If a man love me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, verse 24 gives the opposite side of the coin. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. We could switch that around and say, he that keepeth not my sayings, loves me not. If we're going to love God, it's more than just, we'll praise you, Jesus. More than just, oh, praise you, Jesus. It's when Jesus said, my word to do this, the Holy Spirit says, this is in your life. He says, Abba, Father, whatever you want is yours. Obedience to the commands of God. That's what love is. Don't let anybody tell you that love is an emotional experience. It is not an emotion. It is a decision. It is a decision. Love is not an emotion. It's a decision. Amen? That's right. Are you seeing that in the Word now? Chapter 15. Flip the page. Beginning with verse 9. As the Father hath loved me... So have I loved you. Now here's our job here. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus said, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Now Jesus loved the Father too because he did only what the Father told him to do. Now if we love Jesus, we'll do only what Jesus tells us to do. Isn't that right? Jesus got his commands from God the Father. He said, God loves me and I love God. Because of that, I'll do what he tells me to do. Now we drop down to our next level. Christ, the head of the church. We are the church. We look up to Christ and say, we love you. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We look down. He looks down and says, ah, you're keeping my commandments? I love you. If we don't keep his commandments, we don't love him. Isn't that right? You see that from the word? 
We can also prove our love for each other by doing the same thing. Go back to 1 John now. 1 John, the fifth chapter. You might be saying, okay, this is fine, this love stuff about obeying, keeping commandments as far as love between us and God, but what about between our fellow man? What about our brothers and sisters in Christ? Look at verse 2. By this we know that we love whom? The children of God. When we love God and what? Keep His commandments. For this is the love of God. Another time for definition, just a reinforcement of the definition in the next book. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. We keep His commandments. Now let's go back up to verse 2 there. Up to this time, we always talked about is our love between us and Jesus, us and God. But now, he brings it down to home. His love for the body of Christ. He says, if you really love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're going to love God and you're going to keep His commandments. Let me reverse that. If you don't love God, you don't keep His commandments, you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's go on to the end of verse 3 there. We keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. Now we can take that two ways. He could be making a statement or he could be making another condition. I'll let you be the judge of that. I like to go that he's doing both. He's saying, number one, if we love God and we love his, the children of God, we'll keep his commandments and they won't be a pain to us. They won't be, the word grievous means burdensome. They won't feel like really heavy. It's going to be easy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So you'll hear some people say, oh, serving God, obeying Jesus is so hard, baloney. Try serving the devil. If you say that, you probably already are serving the devil. You would say that. His commandments are not burdensome. So many people say, yeah, I obey the word. Yes, I do this. I tithe. I do this. Boy, it's a pain in the neck. I go to church every time the door is open. Why? Because the word says so. I fellowship with the body three or four times a week. Well, why do you do that? Because the Bible says I have to do it. We really love God. We won't have that kind of an attitude. His commandments are not burdensome. It's no big deal. Say, hey, the Lord wants me to go to church seven times a week. Glory to God, I'm going to get blessed because I'm obeying the Word. And I take joy in obeying the Word. Now I want to make a delineation here. We talked about the definition. Now we're going to talk about the delineation. Delineation between them that love God and those who don't love God. And the Bible makes a distinct difference between the two. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, and we sing this chorus all the time, but I think this will, now that we understand what the definition of love is, it brings a whole new ball of wax into consideration. He that loveth not knoweth not God. What does it mean that you don't know God? What does that mean? You're lost. Plain and simple. What does love mean? Obeying Christ's commands. You put it another way. You don't obey Christ's commands, you're none of His. You don't know God. God does not know you. Now, did I say that? Yes, I said that. I'm simply telling you what the Word says. He that loveth not, and again the definition in the same three books, he that loveth not, he that obeyeth not Christ's commands, knoweth not God. They're with the body of Christ. On the other side of the fence, glory to God, everyone that obeys Christ's commands, everyone that loveth, is born of God and knoweth God. That means that God knows him. That means you're saved. You're one of God. You're born of God. You're God's child. That's the difference. 
He that loveth not knoweth not God. Now many will come to him in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done this, that, the other thing? And he'll say, depart from me, you cursed, I never what? He knows why. Because he didn't obey. And he's going to say this, because you did not the will of my Father. You didn't follow my Father's commands, which were given through me. Do you see what I'm getting to? Do you see that? He's going to say, I never knew you because you didn't love. Because you did not love. You didn't obey my commands. Now that's hard. That's hard. But it's all right here. It's all right there. Consequently, someone in the state of loving not, really in the state of rebellion to God, whether they realize it or not, they might think, and it's obvious that many will think that they're serving God because they'll say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done this, that, and the other thing in your name? And he says, I never knew you. You missed base one. You missed first base where it says, obey my command. Don't let them be grieved. Don't let them be burdened. You say, I don't want to be accused of being very negative all the time and condemnation-oriented because there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Isn't that right? So if you're doing that, you don't have to worry about condemnation. There isn't any for you. Glory to God. So don't, if, if this is a problem, all, all you have to do is get this straight now and jump the fence over to here. The good side is submission. Abba Father, I love you. You tell me what to do, you've got it. Anything you say, it's yours. And what is the reward for that? The reward is eternal life. Praise God. That's just one of the rewards. That's our final end result reward. We got rewards down here, though, you can't even know. If what? We love. And what is love? Obeying Christ's command. That's our promise if we obey Christ's command. Now, contrary-wise, rebellion leads to eternal death. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Because God is love. And if they know not God, God's already said it. I don't know you. Now, turn to first John the third chapter. Now the Bible says the word love our neighbors as what? Ourselves. And we're to do to others as we would have them do to us. If I'm walking along a road and I'm just kind of looking around like this and I'm about to step off a cliff and you're behind me and you're not looking around like I am, you're watching the road. I'm about to step, step right over the edge and I'll be down about 100 feet on some sharp rocks and that'll be the end of me. I would appreciate it if you would get, grab my attention somehow and say, go take that next step. I would really appreciate that. I would appreciate it if you would warn me if I was about to end my life real quick. I would appreciate for you to say, hey, uh, Jeff, the next step to do this. Don't take it. Okay? If I'm going to love you, and you're going to love me as you'd love yourself, you would probably do that. Wouldn't you? If you loved me as you loved yourself, I mean, you probably wouldn't go jump over a cliff. You probably wouldn't because you love yourself, and you don't want to mangle what God created on a bunch of rocks down a hundred feet. 
you would warn me because you'd want me to warn you, right? Now, would, would you come over and see me if I take that step and say, Jeff, I love you. <laughs> I say, Wonderful. Oh, great. They love me. And on my way down, I think, liar. They didn't love me. You realize that Jesus, now once is it recorded in the scriptures where he said the phrase to somebody, I love you? He never said that. Not recorded in the scriptures where he actually said, I love you. Did you know that? Nowhere. He said, love others as I have loved you, but he never walked up and said to somebody, I love you. But yet, John and Paul said, the great love wherewith he hath loved us. But he never told them that he did. That's funny. Actions speak louder than words, the old phrase says. He didn't have to say, I love you, because his actions showed it. Now, I could be about ready to fall over that cliff, and you could say, I love you, and I'd fall over the cliff and say, Baloney, you don't love me. You said it with your words, but you didn't say it with your, do it with your actions. Look at, we already asked you to turn to 1 John 3. Look at verse 18. 1 John 3.18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in what? In deed and in truth. Now, if you would have said, I love you, as I'm about to go over the cliff, you would have loved me in word and in tongue, and it wouldn't have done a bit of good for me. But had you grabbed my arm or said, Jeff, don't take that step, you would have loved me in deed and in truth. Isn't that right? You would have, would have not just said you love me, you would have shown me you love me. And I wouldn't have to turn around and say, after you pulled me back from the cliff, I wouldn't have to I wonder if they love me. It was pretty self-evident. You pulled me away from that cliff, you must love me. Or at least like me. But if you let me go over the cliff, you didn't love me, baloney. The same way. How many people do we see walking this path? All around us. In our very midst, people walking this path. That we know that the Bible says this, that, the other thing. And we see them walking down that path to that big gulf called hell. That big cliff that once you've gone over the edge, that's it. And say, ah, I love you. Love you, brother. Praise God. Go on. Here, let me give you a hug. I believe in that day they're going to, if, if we do that, they'll point the fingers at us and say, You didn't love me. You loved me in word and in tongue, but you didn't love me in, in deed and in truth. Tell you, think about that for a minute. A lot of people we see taking that path. Okay. Love you. True love would be to say, hey, stop a minute. See down there on the path? Down there on the path is a big gulf called hell. Once you're in, that's it. My word to you would be, avoid that. You really love him. You do that. You say, hey. And it's not something you conjured up in your mind. If you say, hey, the Word says that that is there. That those that do these things, whatever it is, will end up in hell. 
I say, get this straight. I'm not telling you this. The Word is telling you that those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Whew. That's love. Now, once you've told them, they have every right in the world to either say, huh, you know, you're right. That is there. Well, I'm not going that way. They can turn. Public ten. They can turn. Walk the other way. Or they can say, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Or they can get mad at you. What are you talking about? Here's but what is love? Obeying Christ's command to tell them. Preach the word. Be it in any season, out of season. They don't rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. That's the command. If you don't obey the command, you don't love God. And you don't love this person. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And if we're going to come to the place where we say, we see this person walking toward that gulf of not inheriting the kingdom of God, and we say, well, yeah, that's what the Bible says, all right. That gulf's not there. Not really there. I mean, when you walk up to it, you'll find it'll disappear. Well, where do you get that? Well, that's what I think. I mean, that's the way God is, right? So they say, yes, I love you. Yes, I'll fellowship with you. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful. They come down and they, yes, glory to God. Even Jesus, wonderful. And, oh. Fell down in the hole. That hole's not really there. No. Baloney, that hole is there if the Word says it's there. Isn't that the truth? If the Word says the hole is there, it is there. And you can convince yourself that the hole is not there. You can say, oh, yeah, I know that's what the Bible says, but, you know, God and His grace and in His mercy. The only place we know of God's grace and mercy is through what? The Word. That's the only place you're going to find God's grace and mercy is the Word. That's the full extent of it right there. He's not going to go outside of His Word. Never. He won't do that. Let me say something about, I said, there are some people on this path, even in our midst. You know, the Bible says that a lot of times you're not going to be able to tell. Talking about the parable of the wheat and the tares. It says they grow up together. They look the same. They look the same. You go out to the field and say, wheat, tares. It would be a real pain to have to go through and pluck them up. And the parable says that the, the owner of the field said, hey, don't worry about fucking them up now. Because when the final judgment comes, when the day of harvesting comes, the wheat will be separated from the tares. When we know that there are tares around us, we don't warn them of the coming harvest, we are held accountable. Plain and simple. To him that knoweth to do good, to obey the commands of God, to love, and doeth it not to him it is sin, and God will judge sin. The word says God will judge sin. Amen? Amen. There's a lot of difference between loving in word and in tongue and loving in deed. I don't know about you, but if I was on my way to hell, I certainly want somebody to tell me about it. 
I wouldn't want them to put a pseudo-Christianity over on me. One that only God understands. Yes, God understands in His Word. He says, I understand that, that this is my law. It says, you're going to sow what you reap. And you reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to pay the price. That's my love. That's my mercy. That's what it amounts to. We really love, we're going to obey. And like I said, agape is often described as being the type of love that will always do whatever is best for the other person. Always do whatever whatever is best for the other person. Now, take it back to dealing with your children as an example. If your little kid goes around and slugs everybody, you don't say, oh honey, that's okay. That's all right. No, you spank him. You say, oh, but that's going to hurt him. Is it? What's going to hurt him worse if he keeps on slugging and then later on gets chains and sticks and later on gets guns? You say, oh, that won't happen. Baloney. If sin is not checked, it grows. If disobedience is not checked, it grows. If it's not checked, excuse me, if it's not stopped, it grows. We have a great responsibility. A great responsibility. The whole thing was, Jesus said, love others as I have loved you. And one thing I'm impressed with as I study the life of Jesus is that at no time did Jesus ever mince words with anybody. He loved them and he even showed emotion at times. And we're going to talk about some of those times. Next week, that's one of the times he showed emotion, but through the emotion, he stuck with the commands that God gave. I'm not saying that we cannot be emotional when we're dealing with people. We just can't let our emotions rule us. The Word is supposed to rule us. We can sympathize. We can even empathize. We say, hey, this is a hard truth. I, I, I know that. And I'm not just talking to a lot of you thinking, oh, he's talking about marriage, divorce, and remarriage again. Oh yeah, I'm talking about a lot of other things too. Tithing? The scripture that talks about the watchman on the wall, when he sees trouble coming, if he doesn't warn the kid's head, we have a great responsibility to love. And again, when somebody says to you, oh, but that's not loving the way you've handled the situation maybe. Maybe the way you count it. That's not loving. Go back to the definition. What is love? You say, no, old brother, Jeff, you're getting, you're getting legalistic now. No, I'm getting wordistic. I'm saying what the Word says. And when you say what the Word says, you don't have to worry about standing because the Word will stand forever. It is settled forever in the heavens. When you speak the Word, count on it. It's true. Like I said, emotions can come into it. And they need to come into it. When Jesus ministered, it wasn't always, let's say the Lord, and he turned around and walked away. He got emotional. He cried in several cases. He felt badly for the people, but he also realized in feeling badly that they could change their situation by a decision. And that's what the Word says. If you decide to love me, I'll know you. If you decide not to love me, I don't know you. And love is obeying Christ's command. Remember that definition. Remember that definition. Some of you, oh, this wasn't loving. Think in your head. Was I obeying Christ's command? Was I obeying what God has told me to do? 
Now, how do you know if you're obeying what God's told you to do? Where do you find the answers? Do you, before you go in to talk with somebody or you minister with somebody, you just grab a hold of the horns of the altar and say, God, give me, fill me right now. I need some answers. I have no problem with asking for guidance by the Holy Spirit when talking to people. Well, I'll tell you what, if you've got the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, if you have prepared and your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, it's not just grabbing the horns of the altar, God, what am I going to say? Well, how do I handle this? You say, well, love is my first concern, and since I know what love means, it means obeying the commands of Christ, I'll say what Christ says. I'll say what Christ says. Wow, you know, could have had a V8. Amazing! Revelation! I'll say what Christ says. You know, that saves a lot of hassle. saves a lot of sweat. Oh, Lord, what am I going to say? If you know the Word, and the Word's down here, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And when you speak the Word, you will not go wrong. Knowing how to speak the Word is a whole other ball, ball of wax. That's why the Holy Spirit's there. That's why when you need to grab the horns of the altar. Don't get desperate. The Bible doesn't say you have to get desperate. The Bible says, ask for wisdom, and it will be yours. And wisdom is the application of knowledge. Of the Word. Knowledge. Of the Word. You ask for wisdom, the Holy Spirit will say you out of a plot. The Word. So you'll be able to love. Christ is our example of love. He's the best example we're going to find of love anywhere. The word Christian. Translated many different ways. One of its translations is little Christ. As Christ did, as Christ acted, as Christ said, that's what we're supposed to do. If you're a Christian. If you're not, don't worry about it. You know, when you're going to share the word or share something with somebody, counsel them, whatever. And believe me, you know, I'm not saying this just for people who are quote-unquote ministering because if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be, and you know what else? This church is going to go boom someday, explosive growth. And they're going to say, hey, they've been here a long time. They ought to know the answer to this. And they'll come to you and they'll say, well, what about this? And you go, go ask Pastor Wes. Go ask Brother Ed. Go ask Kip. <laughs> you know? No. You're responsible to love. You're responsible to obey the commands of Christ. And you're supposed to know the Word. How can we live the example of the Christian life that, that Christ gave us if we don't know what Christ said, if we don't know what Christ did. The whole thing about being a Christian goes back to the Word. The Word. The Word. The Word. The Word. If you don't know the Word, you won't know how Christ reacted in certain situations. You won't know. You can pray all you want to, but if you don't know how Jesus would have handled something, you're out of luck. Unless the Holy Spirit's feeling really generous that day. Whenever you could come into a situation where you don't know what to do, think this thought. What would Christ do in this situation? How would Christ handle this situation? Now, if you don't know the word, you're going to find yourself sitting there, oh boy, I don't know. I don't know how, how he'd handle this situation. Spirit, tell me how he'd handle this situation. How would Jesus handle this situation? The Holy Spirit the whole time is saying, Square one. Square one. The Word. Go study the Word. You'll learn the principles. That's why I can't 
say enough about the Institute and Basic Youth Conflict. I didn't say build up in seminar, did I? The Institute and Basic Youth Conflict. There are probably more concentrated truths and principles there than you'll probably get just about anywhere else. And I'll tell you what, preparation in the Word of God, how am I going to phrase this? Beats divine revelation every time. You know that there is really no new revelation. The total revelation was in Jesus Christ in the Word. Everything we get today is illumination. The Holy Spirit takes a truth out of, might not be a quotation from the Bible, takes a truth out of the Word and says, here, I'm going to light this up for you. This is what it means. Wow. So sometimes people will come up to you and say, you know, I spent six hours in prayer and the Holy Spirit revealed this new truth to me. I go, oh, a new truth, huh? It's amazing. I spent five minutes in the Word and I saw that. Now, I'm not jumping on about jumping down people's throats about six hours in prayer. I'm not jumping down people's throats about six hours in prayer. We need more people who spend six hours in prayer. 